Happy Rapper the Team and Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest in this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making what I will refer to as his fortnightly appearance, making what I will erroneously, erroneously, erroneously refer to as his fortnightly appearance. He's a former Pirates beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review and also author of Big Data Baseball. It's Travis Sochik. Travis Sochik is the guest. And as he does something like every two weeks, Sochik joins us from his home in beautiful Bay Village, Ohio, just west of Cleveland, Ohio, to discuss, in this case, to discuss three conversations he had towards the end of spring training. First, with Joey Votto, discussing not only age-related decline, but also as a hitter, what Joey Votto sees, what Joey Votto sees, enough to be one of the league's best hitters, it turns out, uh, but also not that much, going on instinct quite a bit. Also, Travis Sochik, oh yes, he relates a fantastic conversation he had with Ray's right-handed pitcher Chris Archer, and Archer's uh, very nuanced understanding of the four-man rotation, not only his role in it as a pitcher, but also the advantages and disadvantages of it from an organizational perspective. Uh, finally, also, uh, Sachik recounts uh, another leg another leg in his journey, his idiot's tour of spring training, uh, in which he allows Eric Hosmer to inform him, that is Travis Sajic, of the ways in which Travis Sajic is an idiot. All of that in what follows. What's following more immediately is this message regarding Fangraphs memberships. Fangraphs memberships do exist for a reasonable sum. Readers of Fangraphs.com can support the excellent work that appears in those electronic pages by acquiring a membership for a slightly less reasonable sum, but still not entirely unreasonable. Readers can acquire an ad-free membership, which allows them to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads not only facilitating faster loading speeds, I've been told, but also liberating one from the tyranny and the distortive effects of advertising. Fangraphs memberships and ad-free memberships. Available only, of course, at Fangraphs.com by going there and then clicking on it. Okay, Uh, that is it. That is it for a message. We will now turn to our conversation with a prolific and gentle Travis Sochik. What is it? It is Fangraphs audio. Who does it feature? That same Travis Sochik. And when does it begin? Right now. technologically well-appointed than I am. Has, have I used English? Have I utilized English? Uh, yeah. I didn't I know we had a up, guy. I woke up on uh, Saturday. You're aware of the fact that I'm an infant child. You, you've, had, you've had one of those yourself. <laughs> I at have. Least one, at least one that I know of. Yes. One, one, public, one public child. And I woke up on Saturday after a busy week of editing positional power rankings. You're familiar. You had to, you've had to compose two of them, so you're, you're well acquainted with that series. Love the series. you're a big series guy huh can't get enough (laughs) and uh i woke up on the saturday and i was if i were if i were a a handicapper you know to (laughs) if i were to had been compelled on saturday morning to set the odds of the reason i felt the way i did i would have said 50 percent fatigue or 50 percent maybe a brain tumor was the other possibility (laughs) i felt as there's something deep like profoundly like profound inside me the very core of my being i felt had been (laughs) had been tainted in some way really yeah my i feel like my like my spirit was achy does that make any sense no i I had similar symptoms after after the series after the series (laughs) yeah no, but please continue. Well, I was, you know, I, my balance was uh, was affected. I was not balancing well. But I slept a bunch, and then on uh, Sunday I felt better. So that's the end of the story. That's great. So you had a lot on your plate. 
with editing this series, and you have an infant child. Yeah, that's all I was trying to get at. I'm not. I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm. I'm just reporting from the front lines of of uh, you know. Maybe a little sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little compassion. Do you do you do you need some sympathy, Travis? Can I provide some for you as well? <laughs> what do you need? What do you you know? What do you need? You know, I'm I'm here to uh, support the writers at Fangraphs.com. How can I? What do you need from me? Uh, you know, we should have like a tip jar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the, the the series because we went above and beyond for Call of Duty there. No, I'm I'm good. I made it through. You know, ex- last year's experience helped. Mm-hmm. I was able to pace myself. Yeah, and we did. There's some behind the scenes work that made it a little easier to format. And you know, I just had a, a, I, had I a, think... just had to type into a text box this year, so it's you know, it's pretty easy. I don't know that it's actually of interest to anyone, but it is a uh, it is a, a some level of physically exhausting thing to compose because the posts are quite long and uh, some are some are longer than others. Yeah, I saw a few at least one reader comment claim he read the entire first baseman post, which was impressive. That was like four thousand words or something. You composed the first baseman post. Yeah. Yes. I don't. <laughs> did you read it? <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, I had to. I assume that most people just kind of look at the rankings, do a cursory glance, mm-hmm. and then maybe investigate what we write about their favorite team mm-hmm. or perhaps some of their fantasy players or or something. But I don't think many people read the whole thing, which is fine, and that's why I think ranking stories probably do well because every team, every reader has some level of interest in that type of uh, post. Sure. Hey, listen. I just want before we get talking. I just want to let you know that there's some there's some houses coming on the market here in Bath, Maine, Travis. In the event that you were you were contemplating a move eastward, uh, yeah, I think one move every four years is good for me. You think that's it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, Bath is wonderful. I would encourage anyone interested uh, mm-hmm. to move there. You better hey, you better get here quick. Property values are skyrocketing. I bet they are. But yeah, yeah. Well, you've been to Portland, Maine. I ha- yeah, I love I love Maine. Well, Portland, Portland, Maine's a nice place, but what's happening is that it is uh, property values are, are really increasing there, and so people are getting pushed out to the bedroom community of Bath, Maine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, with every house, to, to the best of my knowledge, does have a bedroom here, but I'm not sure that it actually functions like that. I'm not sure of it. It's, it's a I don't know. What do you consider an ideal commute, or a what do you what are you if you were to create a a graph of commute and I in you know ideal length. I mean, what is zero minutes ideal length to you? Yeah, it's about uh, fifteen paces okay. from from my uh, bedroom or living room to this very workstation. And you think that's ideal? I uh, yeah, I do. I do. You don't believe in um, in the benefits of what might be referred to as a liminal space? Well, I maybe I would say it's almost ideal. I would say there are some benefits actually working with people. Not many. Other human people. Yes, there are a few. I, yeah, I guess I miss that a little bit about this work arrangement, but I still, yeah, I was in spring training, so I get to interact with some people. And during the season, I go into clubhouses and press boxes, so I get some of it. But there is something to be said for interacting with your colleagues. And that's why the Fangraphs meetups and the retreat are nice, because we get to see everybody and some ideas are born in that, that environment, that collaborative time. So yeah, but, you know, but I will doesn't... say... To work in your pajamas or whatever is nice, and I don't have to clock in or clock out of my well, work Well, what a station. lot of people don't know is that the reason you work for Fangraphs now is because you had started uh, working in your pajamas with some frequency <laughs> while while on the beat for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, 
and it's uh, human resources <laughs> had, called, had called you in on a number of occasions. And you said, and this is what you said. You said, no, this is me. You say, I'm standing in my truth. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right. And then you realize you had to look elsewhere. Yeah. And I'm not going to, uh, you know, I have core values and principles that are, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not going to change. <laughs> it's your own, your own personal constitution, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I think there is something to be said for working with people. But, you know, I, you see you know people I... going through the commute, you know, driving 40 minutes each way to work. And I, I think one tough thing about the, an office environment I found is that you're constantly interrupted by people also. Mm-hmm. And, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm a recluse who likes isolation, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of, I think it's easy to be efficient with your time when I'm here in this house in Bay Village, Ohio by myself. <laughs> What's, um, I do, what, maybe speaking of the advantages of it, I did uh, notice that this is the first year that you had been a member of Team Fangraphs at the winter meetings. And I'll tell you what benefit that had on my life, which is that you know a lot of beat reporters, certainly more than I do. And uh, you introduced me to a lot of folks. And there seems to be, I would say, generally speaking, a certain amount of bon ami among, among beat writers. Yeah, that was great, wasn't it? We were in the lobby, right? And mm-hmm. uh, people were doing kind of their circular rounds. Mm-hmm. I think they tended to be counterclockwise <laughs> rotations yeah, around the lobby. Very, yeah, uh, yeah that, no, there is a certain amount of, uh, there's, a, there's a camaraderie. Mm-hmm. We saw people like uh, Pedro Mora, for example. Oh, yeah. Good company. Yeah, he was very, very pleasant. Um, we saw briefly Andy McCulloch. Pedro just had uh, LASIK surgery. He did? Yeah. Well, he was debating on whether to wear sunglasses into the clubhouse, but that would look a little weird. You saw, you saw, did, he probably saw you too, huh? Yeah, we had some nice conversations. No, my point is that now following LASIK surgery, uh, presumably his vision is better than it ever has been, at least for some time. Yeah, I think it's 2020 now and it should get a little better. Hey! Yeah. Joey Votto-like vision. Ah, uh, unintentional segue, but I was I was actually pretty impressed by how uh, the degree to which Joey Votto was aware of his own eyesight. It seems to be an important part of the the hitting equation is the the visual aspect. Twenty thirteen uh, in one eye, twenty twenty seventeen. Uh, so right and left, respectively. He needs to work on the uh, the right eye. Yeah, that he has great eyes, as you would imagine. I mean, you would assume most major league hitters have either excellent vision or have the vision corrected to be, you know, twenty twenty or better. There's not just that too, though, right? It's also we have we talked about this uh, in a recorded fashion, or was this merely? I don't know. We haven't. We talked about the the rate at which one is able to process visual information. We we have not spoken about that. We haven't uttered that out loud. I don't think so. For the benefit of <laughs> of the people. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, well, we've definitely spoken about it in private. Right. Seeing is one thing. Reading an eye chart is one thing, but that's not quite the same as hitting a baseball effectively, right? Right, yeah. Being able to process the visual information is essential, isn't it? It is. And some players have... I've obviously thought about this, right? So, wait, let me rephrase that. I have thought about it at least once. The, those attributes that are typically characterized as tools, physical tools, right? There's some sort of physical tools, a hit tool, power tool, you know, uh, foot speed, and then to, you know, the glove and uh, arm, arm strength, right? And, the, and they all undoubtedly have, you know, relate somehow. The hit tool is not precisely a physical tool, right? I guess it's, you know, it's roughly, you know, roughly characterized or represented by batting average, I suppose. But a lot goes into that. But the other four all have some sort of like manifestly physical quality to them. But the capacity with which one can as we say, process visual information 
is also definitely a physical tool. I, I don't know how innate it is. I don't know to what degree one can improve it. Maybe you have information about this. I would love to hear it. But it's also seems uh, to be uh, like attempting to uh, hold sand in uh, in one's in one's palm, right? <laughs> it's a uh, it's not something that uh, to which you can point in the same way you can the kind of physical strength that would allow a batter to to hit the ball out of the park. Yeah, it's a hard thing to kind of define, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, even Vado trying because I was asking him what what do you see? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a guy with an elite walk rate, right? an elite hit tool. He articulates the craft well. But even he, I think, struggled to... Well, he was definitely sure he wasn't making conscious decisions when he decides to swing or not swing. Mm-hmm. He felt it was more of a reaction. But we always hear people, whether it's on a television analyst or whatever, talk about, well, hitters have 0.3 tenths of a second to make a decision. Well, as Vado sees it, he's not really making any conscious decision. His experience, his ability to process what his eyes see, creates this kind of reflexive instinct. And uh, he said there's like a no swing, no swing window. and But all he sees, he said, are like little frames, little flashes. Those are his words. And he makes a decision to, well, reactive decision to swing or not swing. And this is the game's best hitter. And even he can't explain, I don't think, in that great detail, the, the process that goes behind this elite batting eye, this elite hit tool, this, this ability to process information. I have seen in the Back when I was on the Pirates beat covering the, the Pittsburgh Ball Club and their minor league <laughs> complex, they had two posters on the wall. And one was a visual of a generic pitcher. And it said, this is what a minor league batter sees. And there's sort of all these, I guess it was kind of like a data density chart, of, I guess, release of something. But it was very spread out, looked like a thunderstorm uh, kind of big cell uh, coming out of the pitcher's hand. And I'm not even describing this well. But the no, point is, no, this no, is no, no. <laughs> what a major league hitter sees. It was very condensed. It was very focused on the pitcher's hand. There are no other distractions. It was just all focused on release point. And I'm not sure where they got that from or whatever. But And was the other poster, uh, did the other poster feature LeVar Burton holding a, <laughs> holding a board book open, encouraging children to read? It was not as focused. What the batter was, what the minor league batter, I guess, typically sees is not as focused. And so I'm explaining this very poorly. But... Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say uh, I would have expected more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this might be a great time to use your editing skills afterwards, and let's condense this down. But yeah, what do batters see? I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah, I think you could just say I don't know. I, I'm very comfortable with I don't know, and I, I think if Joey Votto's careful with I don't know, then we we all ought to be. Oh. Yeah, I thought that was actually I thought it actually spoke well to to his credibility. Not that he needs, not that he suffers from credibility. A lack of credibility, you know, as being one of the the best hitters in the major leagues. But I thought it spoke to his credibility, not simply as a batter, but also a person tasked in, in conversation with you to think about hitting. Uh, he said, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I could tell you, he said, because he was also very clear about what he what he did know, I think. And he said, I think, well, he said, I do know for a fact that I don't make a split-second decision. Um, but, you know, he's also pointing to things like instinct, which... Are, is probably a phrase we use to describe what cognitive machinations that we don't totally understand. The unconscious is holds most of our memory mm-hmm. and decision power, really, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess he's, in a way, tapping into his subconscious. And he has this experience, and this ball in this area, in this little frame, or this little flash, he says, he just, his body knows he can hit that. His mind do you think knows. that the, do you think the next... <laughs> The next uh, field 
here. The next, um, the next in, money ball <laughs> inefficiency is uh, is for players to become more well acquainted with the works of uh, Carl Jung, famous psychologist <laughs> who developed the idea of the collective unconscious. Maybe um, maybe a greater understanding of that would would lead them to to a greater understanding of you know what what they're experiencing when they when they see a pitch coming at them. <laughs> We're laying the foundation for that to be possible Gener- so generations from now. Oh. I think so too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if uh, you know, if there are not a couple members of Houston's analytical staff listening to this right now, then I think that uh, you know they're losing out. That's what's, <laughs> what's happening. You, you did, you did speak at some point too with Carlos Santana. I think maybe when he was a Clevelander. Is that right? I did. Yes. And he said he actually he was a little bit more explicit in terms of his strategy, which is uh, what a kind of a circle out in front of the plate. Right. Yeah. He used a visual trick. He said where he imagined, like Vado, he said he had a he felt he had a no, what he did have was a swing or no swing window, and his was he imagined a little circle, a loop, an invisible loop halfway between the mound and the plate, and if the the pitch was in there, he was going to swing. If it wasn't. He was not going to swing, so in that sense, he was, yeah, you know, he was making his decision thirty feet out. He described it, I think, in a way not not so different than what, the way Vado articulated the process. And hey, I mean, it's physically impossible to watch the ball travel to within two feet of your hitting zone and make a decision. So yeah, these decisions are being made, I guess, pretty far out from the actual contact point. And I guess that's why we should, you know. Pitch tunneling makes a lot of sense in theory, and, and then practice if you, if you have the right assortment and of pitches. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's what it isn't is a conscious decision like, oh look, it's a four seam fastball headed to the outside corner. I think I can probably hit it. Here goes my swing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work like that. There's not time to make that sort right. of decision. Yeah, you got to. Uh, you can't. You can't do that. Now, uh, listen. You spoke with Joey Votto, of course. Uh, what it? Uh, Reds camp in is it Goodyear, Arizona? Dateline Goodyear, am I right? Dateline Peoria. Yes, he was trying to get out of the clubhouse. Uh, I don't think he wanted to speak with me. <laughs> in fact, he said he didn't because he said, "Sorry, man, I'm in my civilian clothes now." Because I had waited for him to change. And uh, so, so you should have accosted. Wait, was this after a game? After uh, their morning workout. I don't know. I guess he wasn't... I'm trying to think of the red schedule that day, but he was being permitted to leave. Maybe it was... A, I think what it was is a, it was a road game, and he wasn't in that traveling party. So he was going to go off and do whatever Joey Votto does. Do whatever Joey Votto does, yeah. <laughs> it gave him a look of uh, utter desperation. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to have been... Has that become one of your strategies, uh, Travis? <laughs> Is it? Would you say that's one of your go-to's? Yeah, I tried to look like I had physically walked from Bay Village to Arizona, and I just <laughs> arrived in the clubhouse, haggard, long beard. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably did look haggard, but yeah, I think a lot of early, a lot of early mornings. It so I think like what that. we also learned is Joey Votto has sympathy. Okay, yeah. And I had spoken with him once last year, so he sort of knew who I was, and yeah. Was he? Did you guess? Did you sense he was familiar with Fangraphs.com? He said he does very little reading, but he did read the Eric Thames piece I wrote last year. He told me that, which was nice. I believe also Eno Saris had a number of conversations with him. Does it sound like something that's ever happened? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, but now, you spoke with Joey Votto, but he was not part of um, your exercise this spring of allowing players to inform you you're an idiot. 
<laughs> that took that took some different forms, but uh, one popular series. <laughs> yeah, you you conducted one of these experiments with one of Joey Votto's teammates, Billy Hamilton. I did. Yeah. And this was not the same day in the clubhouse. These were two separate occasions. Now, I think we actually uh, spoke about Billy Hamilton's conversation. I think we uh, did, the last, right? The last time you were on. Yeah, because you gave us a real account. Yeah. I think that you felt uncomfortable afterwards. You, you're not a, uh, so accustomed to saying uh, so many words uninterrupted. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I did tell a story. Yes. Yeah. Right. Sachik, if there was a story about it, it would be called Sachik uninterrupted. <laughs> right? Let's not do that again. Let's not do that. Uh, but I would like to, because uh, you, you continued your tour in, um, I guess, Peoria, maybe, uh, at Royals Camp. Is that right? Yes. Padres Camp. Padre, oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, that's my, my fault. I'm living in the past, as, as are many of us, I guess. Uh, but you spoke with Eric Hosmer, a person of interest, I suppose. Yes. Uh, he was of great interest to us this offseason, I think it's fair <laughs> to say. <laughs> And, uh, you know, right. So uh, here's a report I could give on uh, Eric Hosmer as a player. What I, what I would have known about him, what I have known about him, which is, of course, a good but uh, perhaps a mercurial player. Also a divisive figure in the baseball community, perhaps, because he's had a number of seasons where he's been provided uh, perhaps no value, literally zero value to his team. Yeah. I've been a replacement level player. And yet I, be- I think that his reputation as a ball player among those who might broadly be referred to as scouting types has not flagged at all and in fact it was you know one assumes in no small part responsible for the uh, 140 plus million dollars he received from the San Diego Padres now he hits the ball among the hardest of all major league hitters strong uh, that's a good attribute less good attribute is the fact that he he also hits the ground more often uh, Hits the ball on the ground more often than, than many of them. He has one of the lowest average launch angles, I believe. Is that just, right? Yeah, just about. He's down on that lower 10 percentile. He has a D Gordon-like launch angle, which is interesting right. and divisive. He does not complement it with uh, <laughs> D Gordon-like speed in the outfield, but of course he does complement with power, some amount of power. Interesting ball player, certainly. So you, know, you, you did recount your uh, the awkward... In beginnings to your conversation with Billy Hamilton, was it was it similarly awkward in this case? Because I hope it was for the purposes, at least my own enjoyment, if not, if not. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, was a little awkward for me going in there because not that I don't think we were trying to be mean spirited toward Eric Hosmer on our website this off season. I think we're just trying to do honest analysis and it, and as you mentioned, he's a divisive he was a divisive figure this off season between I guess more of the traditional and analytical camps. As you meant, noted, he's had I think he's had three seasons of three wins or better and three seasons of replacement level or worse uh, out of his full seasons. So yeah, I mean he's a very he's a tricky case. And ultimately he was paid very well. And I guess he he was fine with how the offseason played out. But having known what we wrote about him, yeah, you don't know what your reception will be <laughs> when you ask for his time. And the P- I asked the I told the PR uh, the Padres PR staff I was there, and you know they weren't sure if he was going to have time for me that day and all this. So after I I had to watch to see when he would leave the game to try to intercept him in the clubhouse. Oh, after the game, I wasn't able to get him in the morning. Hmm. Yeah, so I had to my morning attempt failed. So. I was in the press box there, and around the fourth inning, I started to pay attention to what players were leaving the spring clubhouse. Uh, If you're not familiar with the the spring training game, players are permitted to leave when they're done playing, and they can go back to the clubhouse before the game is over, and then they can go on and do whatever they do in Arizona with their their free time. 
So I, I saw Hosmer. Probably go to Papago Brewing, huh? <laughs> I don't know what players do. Mm-hmm. Go to Sedona? Is that in... Does Travis uh, Satrick go to Papago Brewing? No. 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 Should I? No. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I can tell you that uh, it's a place that when Fangraphs.com, when Team Fangraphs has visited the desert, we've often gone to Papago Brewing. That is not to say that it's, uh, you know, the only place to go. It's just a place we've gone. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Oh, never mind. It's permanently closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently we haven't been there for a bit. Yeah. Shall I continue? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Continue. So, yes, I made my way. And this is one of these shared facilities. They share it with the, the Mariners, I believe. Well, they share the game day stadium with the Mariners. So I had to venture outside the stadium and walk to the Padres complex. A little inconvenient. And, but, but I did make my way in there. And there are only a few players in the clubhouse, and one of them was Hosmer. And I introduced myself. I thought he might have some less than, I don't know, nice things to say about us and our company, or me and our company. But yeah, he acted as if he had no idea who I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is fine. Was, acting? <laughs> was he acting? I should say, I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if he had no idea who we were. Mm-hmm. Some players do. but And he had no idea that we what we'd written about him. I said I write for fan graphs. We've written quite a bit about you this offseason in your situation. <laughs> I tried to leave it somewhat vague. Mm-hmm. But no, he had a blank look. And I said, hey, you know, hey, do you have a few minutes to speak? And Hosmer's known as being generally uh, pretty good at accommodating media. So he did speak to us. And you know, I said we'd written about his uh, launch angle debate. I tried to stay away from the word launch angle because I found that it's become a, a bit of a contentious term in mm-hmm. clubhouses. Uh, defensive walls go up. If I could uh, recite just the epigraph of, from your post, the post called Eric Osmer is Thinking About Swing Plane. The epigraph reads, what are you trying to ask me about Ladenchenkel? <laughs> so, yes, and that is precisely what I was trying to avoid using the term Ladenchenkel. <laughs> I think I was bumbling through, a, <laughs> I was structuring a question with uh, terms like contact point yeah. and, I don't know, attack approach, angle or something. I don't know. Anything but launch angle. Sounds like he sniffed that one. Yeah, out. he did. He did. Mm-hmm. Like a like a Pinkerton. <laughs> he did. And yeah, I don't know if it, contentious might not be the right word, but you know, obviously he's familiar with other reporters have asked him about his batted ball profile and hey Eric, why don't you change? You know, that sort of thing. So, you know, here's another jerk coming up and asking him about it, is the sense I got in, perhaps. Yeah. It's not unfair. But to his credit, he did talk about it, and he did admit that he he's becoming, I think, a little more curious, and that he multiple times he went with J.D. Martinez to work with his swing instru- his private outside swing coach this off season. Uh, Hosmer said he's watched a lot of videos on this mm-hmm. philosophy, so he's at least becoming interested in it. However, even if he's not necessarily, uh... but at the same time, I think he's still hesitant to really. Do a dramatic overall of, of his philo- philosophy and mechanics. And to be fair, he just did sign a $144 million contract. He did arrive at the major leagues, the pinnacle of the sport. So yeah, I, personally, I think there's more in there if he could become a little more of airball oriented. But mm-hmm. I also understand why a player like Hosmer wouldn't want to change. Uh, I think it would, it would be to the Padres' benefit for him to change. But I understand why he might have some some resistance to changing. So... Yeah, but he, you know, it was, I wouldn't say it was a delightful conversation. I would say it was professional. (laughs) 
was professional. Well, as long as were you professional during the yeah, I think so. Course of the conversation, yeah, okay. always, always. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Hamilton discussion, there were not a lot of people around, so and there was no bantering. There's no no crowd gathered, and in this case, it might have been a less jovial crowd, and a more angry <laughs> mob. Uh, now, uh, so as for I the hope, best, for the best, for the best. As I hope I've already mentioned in the introduction to this edition of Fangraphs Audio. This episode will be a little bit shorter than um, those and the others of which you've appeared, not only because you and I also have to record a Blue Jays podcast, but because everything's been truncated this week because of these uh, the, the Herculean effort that has been required by everyone on the staff, the positional power rankings. Okay. Um, however, before, I, before we end this, I'd like to ask you about one last leg of your journey, one other leg of your journey, and that, uh, that took place in Port Charlotte, Florida. Do you have any memories of Port... <laughs> of poor of, of poor Charlotte. I'm not I'm not I'm not necessarily trying to imitate James Lipton, host of Inside the Actor <laughs> Studio here. Uh, it's it's happening accidentally. Um you spoke with Chris Archer though, who was acquitted himself very well and suggested that he could just he could stop playing today and have a job anywhere within an organization it seems. Yeah, I mean he could uh he could host this podcast. <laughs> he could do anything he wants to do. Let's set the bar a little bit higher for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's Archer is. Uh, yeah, he's great. I mean, after he's done playing, he can probably whether it's baseball media or baseball operations, he can probably do whatever he wants. Or maybe he won't want to do any of that. But I'm sure the door will be open. And yeah, great conversation. And yeah, I was glad I made the trip down. Was it I seventy five? Got off on Toledo Blade Boulevard. And meandered down to the Port Charlotte. The, the stadium's in a rather nondescript location, so I can't say much about Port Charlotte. But uh, yeah, it was great. You were staying. You were staying with your parents, I believe. I was. Yeah, they, uh, they have some sort of sort of winter winter estate yeah. down there, don't they? Yep, things are great. Moving back in with the folks. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. They my parents rent a condominium for a month in mm-hmm. Bradenton. To help out David Appleman. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you had a delightful conversation as uh, as my phone got connected. I have a very old automobile, so I'm not used to my phone automatically connecting to the the display. Wait, it it just happened automatically? Yeah, my phone somehow connected to the car's operations. And Hmm. yeah, there you were in the speakers. Yes, and I was uh, speaking with... um, um... (laughs) <laughs> mother and father of of Travis Sajak. They seem like delightful people. Yeah, that was great. <clears throat> Quite a thrill yeah, to speak with an actual celebrity, Carson. Wait, which one of your parents is a celebrity? <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's the question. So the, the interesting thing about Archer, though. We were talking about the, the four-man rotation. Right. Although it's he not really a, a four-man rotation. It's a modified. It's, it's four, a modified four-man It's rotation. four starting pitchers and some other stuff in a rotation, basically. Right. It's four starting pitchers, and they each have a plus one or something, somehow. Yeah. He's understanding of it, of not only why the team w- would be interested in doing it, but also some concerns that pitchers might have participating in it. He, was, he seemed incredibly self-aware. And then what was uh, perhaps most striking to me was how the degree to which he understood what the implications of the com- the consequences of the four man starting rotation might have for in particular i think um anthony banda the the player whom the team acquired he said he said if i i'm going to read it here he said banda has a high end arm and high end stuff if his role early in the season is to throw only two and two thirds innings when does he get to develop into that length and starter if he throws 100 innings this year and is effective as a reliever that's great 
But did we just eliminate him from actually being a real starter to maximize his potential? Will we expect him to throw 180 innings next year after throwing only 100 this year? Like that's a considerable awareness and a great concern for a younger teammate. Right. I, I, for some reason, I mean, not only was I impressed by his ability to articulate it, but to, I don't know, to feel it in the first place, it uh, made him very easy to like, I guess is the point. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, he showed an impressive range from mm-hmm. understanding the, the economics of such a decision where a team can save quite a bit of money by not employing a starting pitcher who are a, you know, one of the most expensive positional groups in the game. And I think if you throw out DH, it is the most costly position group in the game. He understands the ramifications on player development. I believe Banda was at his, he was locker neighbors with Banda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe Banda was definitely there during the start of our conversation. I'm not sure if he was there during that, that part of it, but I'm sure Banda's aware of his concerns. Yeah, it was just... He had a full. He understood the the whole scope of this decision, and I think he fa- he finds it in part interesting. Like, is this going to work? Is this the future of the game? Is this the way to really maximize roster and payroll efficiency? While also understanding that this could be good for a team and maybe not so good for a player, and maybe there's going to be some unintended consequences, like player development is stifled and. You eliminate potential starting pitcher because he gets thrown in this hybrid multi-inning role and he's never forced to gain the pitch arsenal or the durability to, to become a full-fledged starter. So I think he's just, one, he's, he's, a, he's a smart guy, he's curious, and he's part of something that's going to be of, of great interest to many, I think, early this season, assuming the Rays stick with it for a while. So yeah, it was, it was one of the better player interactions I've had as a, a journalist. Certainly one of the better ones that you've documented over the winter. <laughs> <laughs> not that the other ones were not entertaining. Uh, Archer's also a fan graphs guy. You know, he is a fan of what we do. So Right, and he's, as you, I think what you're really saying is uh, he's on payroll. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually gets more from fan graphs than he does the, than he does the Rays, I think. And that's how it works out. Fan graphs is secretly subsidizing Tampa Bay Rays players. You've, re- you've really you've cracked it wide open, Travis. It's out of the bag. All right. uh, We have to end here, however. Allow me to inform you that you have fulfilled your obligation to Fangraphs Audio. Thanks, Carson. It's a real pleasure, Travis Hutchick. I had some other travel things I want to talk about, but maybe next time. Well, you're the one who says that you got to go pick your son up, you know? Oh, that's true. Get your priorities straight, Travis. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) When I was was 10 years old, fourth grade, I had to do a presentation on uh, sartorial interests throughout the decades in the United States. And I hadn't been able to get together with one of my other 10-year-old friends. And I finally called him on Sunday afternoon. I said, we should get together. He said, I can't. I'm busy now. And I said, well, we should. We should. We have to get together. He said, you should have called me earlier, Carson. You need to get your priorities straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, that is that's quite the case here, isn't it? So Yeah. But that was Rob Carroll. If anyone knows Rob Carroll, you know that he said that. Okay. Hey, that has been, I will say, I will say thank you, Travis. We already said all that. I would say that has been uh, the prolific and gentle Travis Sachik. I'm Carson Testuli. This has been Fangraphs Audio. 